what I knew of Marrakesh was was what's on the first wiki page, um, and and that was that was about it. Um, it, it. It was a it was an escape and an opportunity at the same time. Um, all the businesses had, had recently um, closed in Sydney, so I was at a, a quite a quite a low, both sort of professionally and uh, personally. So this was a, a chance of you know a chance of, sort of starting again. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Over the last year and a half, we've spoken to hospitality professionals all over the globe, from the US to London, Copenhagen, Singapore, New Zealand, and many more. The impact of the pandemic has been swift, but different from country to country. And the vaccine rollout is putting some on the front foot to returning to normality. But what is it like in Northern Africa? Andrew Jibe is an Australian restaurateur currently working in Marrakesh, Morocco. Andrew, how are you? Hi, Huck. Uh, I'm well, thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Well, uh, what's it like in uh, Morocco at the moment? Uh, there's, um, there's a lot of apprehension, I guess. There's, um, we take out the cues, the health cues come from, come from Europe a fair bit. Um, there's never been any transparency or communication from, um, from the government though about what's happening. So it's um, everyone just uh, just waits. We've been in eleven o'clock curfew for um, I don't know the last eighteen months, I think. Um, obligatory um, um, mask wearing. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's very tough on a on a tourist based restaurant. Um, yeah, re- really tough. So. So we're just uh, operating on minimal sort of resources at the moment, and uh, just just getting by. What sort of impact has it had on the local hospitality industry? You just mentioned that it's really reliant on a lot of tourism. What sort of impact has it had? Oh, I mean, I think it, especially Marrakesh, which is you know a, a, a real tourist. Uh, I mean, it, it exists in in its current form really, really through tourism. Um, so it's been devastating, you know, from. Uh, and not just the not just the the uh, restaurants that have come up from that have been created from tourism, but you know you look at um, Jim Elfner and all the all the um, all the businesses there, the you know the, the artisanal um, stall holders, the, um, the the little food vendors, all of those have been um, have been uh, crushed really. There's been there's been lots of uh, protests and um, uh, sort of strikes and things by. By the tourist sector, um, you know, just obviously the, the hotels, the um, the uh, food, the the um, uh, transport companies, all of those people are uh, you know suffering like they are everywhere, I guess. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a very difficult situation. Now, now the it seems that the COVID is going through sort of all the all the hotel staff as, as well across a lot of big hotels. So it's um, uh, yeah, it's, it's been it's been profound and dramatic. Yeah. Your influence on Sydney's uh, restaurant um, history is prolific um, over almost two decades. Um, but you weren't always going to get into food. You originally studied law. What made you switch to food? Um, I, I think being being really shitty at studying is a fun thing. The uh, also. Finding that um, uh, hosting dinner parties when I was when I was young, plus I was still 
trying to study um, was a much more uh, much more popular way of you know, meeting girls and and um, and yeah that, that was a, it was a, uh, you, you were much more attractive if you were if you were cooking dinner rather than uh, rather than deep in the books um, so so yeah that's uh, that got me going um, and it was and then pulling on um, pulling on my all of my nonna's recipes and, and and all of that sort of stuff so uh yes that, that's that's what did it really and then go, um flunking things leaving leaving australia going to canada working in a um shitty pizza joint and coming back to australia with with only that sort of um work experience i guess and so so that's that's what got me into into cooking when you came back to Australia, you started working at Tetsuya's when it was back in Roselle. What was it like, and how did you get that gig? Um, yeah, that was a, that was a very interesting year. Um, uh, Tet was it was just a job in the paper. I, I'd had my my first cooking job. I was at the Picnic Cafe in Watson Watson's Bay, and um, and there was an ad uh, from, from Tet's just after a just after a commie, really. And um, and so I applied, and I think I think he uh, he wanted um, something raw and untrained, and um, um, uh, with, with with only very basic skills, and 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 that's what he got in me. Um, and and then proceeded to uh, well, I, I, he didn't he didn't train me completely because uh, I think it was untrainable. But there, there, he, he taught me so so much. I mean, it was a um, you can chopping chopping two buckets of or julienne julienning two buckets of leeks every day for for twelve months. Um, certainly, certainly hones your knife skills. Um, and he taught how to, taught me how to taste too, which was you know probably the probably the biggest thing. Um, uh, and then a lot of other things you know I didn't really appreciate that I sort of picked up until until later. I think you know um, I, I was just I had I had so little knowledge going into that into that job that it was a you know it was a it was uh, such a dramatic um, uh, opening of you know of of, of of to the food world you know both in from ingredients to quality to you know to kitchen systems to everything so it was it was it was a dramatic sort of year to to you know to take in um, but it but like I said it set it set up for lots of lots of things subsequently you know um, that that where the sum of our experiences are. The first restaurant you opened was Vinny in a small little restaurant in Surrey Hills. Tell us about the lead up to that time. How did how did it come about, and um, and how did you pull it together? Um, well, my wife and I had spent um, ex wife and I had spent uh, had spent three years in Italy, um, sort of following my um, you know following the father's footsteps and and um, kissing them kissing the mother earth and all that. And so. And so um, I worked in some some restaurants there in Florence and and um, some shitholes in Florence and um, and and in Rome and um, and then I think it was just that Italian experience of you know of of just eating and drinking just uh, simply and and you know beautifully and um, you you know that whole that whole ethos. There's no there's no sort of separation of, you know, necessarily of wine and food and just the, you know, just the, the produce just singing on the, on the plate, you know, unadulterated, you know, unfussed, um, 
and so so that was really the that just sort of helped crystallize the sort of place that I wanted to have, you know, and, and it, it, it had to be simple. It had, cause that was sort of all I could do anyway, but it was, um, it had, it had to be simple and it had to be uh, hospitable, it had to be genuine, it had to be affordable too. I mean, that, that was the other thing that, um, you know, really struck me from just eating in the trattoria and things from, you know, especially in Rome, there's just the, affordability of everything you know the from from food to wine so um so that that's what uh that that actually made it very easy to to um uh to, to visualize in terms of sort of place in sydney um but it, it took it took so long to to bring together um you know both from sort of financing to uh to location then to managing managing the liquor license because at that time it was it was that ridiculous thirty percent, thirty percent occupants. Um, well, you di- diners only, what was it? Only thirty percent of your diners could uh, drink without a meal or something, something absurd like that. And and Vini was, Vini was twenty twenty seats, I think. You know, plus plus six outside. So you know, um, it made it easy to count to count the seven diners that were drinking. <laughs> but, um, but but the whole thing was that I mean the point was that. You know, in that Italian sort of uh, mode, you know, everyone should be eating while they're drinking. Like that's the that's just that natural thing. You know, you whether it's you know antipasti, whether it's you know just um, some bruschetta, whatever it is. You know that they they go hand in hand. You know, it wasn't a um, and so so we would always you know we give the grissini and the olives and stuff for you know if you're having a beer, if you're having whatever. So there'd always be that you know it was that sense of uh, I guess it's European hospitality too. In fact, it's fully worldwide hospitality, except for, except for, you know, traditionally the, maybe the, maybe the Anglo-Saxon stuff. I'm, I'm not sure. Through lots of sort of hurdles of, um, yeah, the, the licensing process took, took so long. Um, um, but it, you know, eventually, eventually got there. And then, and thankfully, you know, there's been some sense in the last, uh, 15 years and, you know, the, the, the process isn't necessarily much, much, Faster, but but the you know the the results and the and the, uh, the the social social benefit of of some um, you know easier licensing things is I mean has been great for the for the city and the and the country I think I mean it's you know we've we've grown up a lot in in that in that time um, so yeah so anyway Vini was was a the combination of of those those experiences and and you know and and then. You, you you learn so much when you um when you when you open a well, any business I guess but suddenly you realise that you know you you thought you were just a cook but then you have to be a manager as well which was you know, quite quite a shock you know um and and sort of you know managing lives and um, living other people's lives you know that you didn't you didn't necessarily ask to do but, but you have to so that that was a that was a big shock um. um yeah. Vinny was a tiny little restaurant, real thriving hub and a, a real favourite of lots of people in the hospitality industry as well as consumers. Do you have any stories um, from the time that you that you had it that really stand out? Uh, um, <laughs> there, there's, I mean, I, I guess they're probably um, familiar stories that sort of anyone in the, in the industry would have of sort of, you know, either some um, notorious customers that would come in very late and sort of, you know, um, 
um, burn the place up and and um, and be and be and be and be, uh, uh, and be wild and and you know untamable. Um, and yet they're sort of they're sort of your mates. So it you know it, it every everything like everything's okay. Um, I mean with the I think after after t- after two years, I think we got that little little container room in the in the back of um, in the in the back of Vini, which was sort of a you know a, a little bar area, um, which became you know the natural lock-in place as well. So um, so um, so one one got locked in a lot in there, um, and yeah, you know, which was um, then then you sort of get into the sort of slow, slow spiraling demise of, um, of, uh, of life and health and, and making, making prudent decisions and stuff. Um, but yeah, look, just, just the normal, um, normal hell raising, I think, um, you know, coupled with, coupled with sort of, um, trying to bake Igrosini for the next day, um, you know, after service, and then falling asleep while they're, you know, three quarters of the way through, and you know, and having and having, to, having to throw it all out. So, yeah, um, you, you know, the the great thing about Vini was, you know, in, in its in its in its heyday. I mean, it really was a, a sort of a a place for locals as well. You know, that that was the and that was the the core of the place. And so, and and being part of a being part of a community was 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 really special. You know, and I, I mean, I lived nearby as well, and so then that. That was um, that was important to me too. That you know, the, the, that I understood the area and the, you know, and, and so you know, becoming mates with other other business owners. The you know, just being part of of that spirit was was really you know, exciting and vital. Um, and then yeah, eventually um, uh, things can get to one's head as well. But it was it was it was very it was it was you know it was wondrously popular. Um, you know, and, and, and everything was really simple. You know, the, the, the food was very simple and basic. The, the, you know, wines were, wines were interesting, but, you know, um, and I think everything was just delivered with, with sort of some good spirit and, and, and soul. And I think, I think that's what probably resonated then, you know. You mentioned that it was inspired by a trip to Italy and following in your father's footsteps. Is there, is there any dishes that um, you had on the menu at Vinny you can tell us about that were a hat tilt to that heritage that you have? Yeah, well, my my well, my father and grandmother and grandfather they came from um, they came from Gorizia, which is just a little um, uh, a little town near the border of what's now Slovenia, and so um, in in, Fri- in Friuli. So they're um, uh, so it's you know it's a northern mountain fair, um, and and Nona used to make the most the most sort of ethereally uh, light um, gnocchi, and so that that became a bit of a staple there. Um, she, she she reluctantly but eventually shared shared her recipe with me. Um, stood over me stood over me whilst uh, you know whilst whilst we'd make it in the kitchen and um, not really let me do anything just. You know, just just roll things occasionally, but you know the, um So it was a lot of trial and error, but I think that was the, you know, that was. Um, I mean, the, the memories of her kitchen were, were pretty, pretty vivid and, and, and vital. Um, but yeah, the gnocchi, the gnocchi became definitely became a staple, and you know, and they and then they popped up in in Baco and 
over here in Morocco as well. So, you know, it's a, um, they, the, the gnocchi will, gnocchi will live on. Um, and, uh, and it, it was all about, and to me, they sort of represented that, you know, the, the real, uh, homespun food in that, you know, it's, it's the, uh, there are measurements, but it's all, it's all about, you know, it's all about touch. It's about, you know, the little details of the, of the temperature of the, of the spuds of, you know, all, how, how much it's cooked, all that sort of stuff is, um, you know, the, the nuances of a very sim of a very simple, um, you know, process and dish. I mean, I think that's what, uh, you know, that's, that's what you're trying to evoke in, in sort of lots of Italian cooking. During that time, you became notorious for opening sort of really hideaway sort of establishments like Berta down a little laneway that was impossible to find unless you knew where it was or 121BC down that little laneway near where Vinny was. Um, was that a deliberate um, thing by you to seek out these establishments that were a bit hidden away? Um, yeah, d- uh, d- deliberate, not that I um yeah. Yes, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose so. They. Um. It, I mean, to me. Uh, well, I mean, the spaces in themselves were were generally sort of interesting. Um. I. I think that uh, it wasn't necessarily a great commercial decision. Um. I've got to say, especially on those shitty, cold, um, wet, um, you know, Sydney nights. Um. But. Yeah, I, th- I think there's just something, you know, I- interesting about uh, about getting to the destination, you know, about uh, about being surprised at something being there, you know, and then and then hopefully that and and then having made a having made a journey that you know that the the, the place sort of um, has some has some spirit has some has some identity, you know, because it because it needs to because it's a uh, because uh, it's it's not part of a of a collective or something. So it's, you know, and, and, and then it was important too, that the, the venues not be, I mean, they had, they had, they had the same DNA, but they weren't, you know, they, they weren't cookie cutters of each other. You know, they were, they, they were very distinct. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously the, the food at Bert was very much Tama's. And so that was a, um, you know, that was important too, that it had its, that they all had their own character, you know, I think so. Um, yeah. So the, uh, it it was easy to it was easy to actually look at some of those some of those sites and say well that's a great spot for a for a restaurant um, not so much because it was isolated but just because just because they had character you know um, yeah so that's all you had some pretty incredible alumni come out of your kitchens and you just mentioned Tama Carey and her influence is um, amazing now doing Sri Lankan food. What was it like working with her and creating Berta? Oh, it was, um, it was wonderful. I mean, she was doing, she did, did some pop-ups with Hamish originally when, um, uh, and I think she just finished it at, um, at Billy Kwong. Um, and so they were, they were doing the odd Sunday night at, um, at Vini, which was fun. Uh, and but working with her, I mean, she's such a, such a, you know, a gentle, good soul, you know? So, um, it was, it was, and then she was working sort of casually at, at Vini and then, and then the site came up for Berta and, and it was, it was a, it was a very easy decision to, to, you know, to sort of have a, have a place that, that Tama could actually do 
her thing, uh, whilst albeit an Italian thing, um, but um, but you know, which which she she took on you know uh, wonderfully as 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 I'm sure you know, um, and and so yeah, it, uh, working with her was was always was always a joy actually. I mean, she's um, uh, just such a a good a good soul, you know. One two one BC was really at the forefront, the beginning of the the um, sort of wine venues in Australia and wine. I oh, sorry in Sydney, um, and you guys were really a driving force of that. Um, some laws changed. Take us back to that time and what it was like trying to create a wine bar in Sydney when the momentum was shifting to allow that to happen. Yeah, the the law the laws changed. I think. Um, uh, what were the laws? It, the process was still horrible, um, but and it went through a, went through a couple of lawyers before before managing that. Um, it, it was still, and there, there was always lots of objections, mostly from mostly from pubs. I think local pubs that were just trying to shut down anything that had that was a wine bar and therefore perceived threats because it was a it was the great unknown, you know. And so, uh, and so you know we had. I think we had 500 objections. I think to to um, to the to one to one BC, you know, which was which was a 30 seat, you know, 30 you remember 30, 30 very cramped, you know, little little stools in a you know in the, in the tiny space. Um, so 500 objections to that, and you know they were, uh, I mean they they were all real, but they could have been you know like uh, bot generated from the from the pubs, I think, um, and. And so then, when I, when we called the called a meeting of all the of all the objectives and whatever, I mean, I think there was, you know, there were three people on the street that turned up, you know, and um, and then and then when they when they realised that you know that it wasn't being uh, that it wasn't going to be a nightclub, this this wine bar, it was a, um, because because I, I think at the time there was a uh, there was something in the wording that meant that the the two things were grouped, and so you know. It could be a nightclub, or it could be a wine bar, or it could be something else, and so therefore, you know, one was associated with the other. Um, uh, so anyway, we um, uh, mollified the the, the the three objectives that showed up, um, and and it was reasonably easy. I mean, we obviously made it harder by by throwing in the bottle shop as well. Um, that, that 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 put everything in a bit of a spin, um, and then you know, trying to work out access and because everything needed to have separate doors and da 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 you know just because of uh this incredible way that the the thought processes operate in these in the liquor and gaming department you know the the uh uh but anyway but the i think the the interesting thing is that whenever you're presented with with a problem there's a you know there are there are hopefully ways of you know ways of managing it and ways of managing it that you know that the the customer experience is actually, you know, more more interesting, perhaps. You know, and so you know, and, and obviously it was, it was a thing that that you could do in Melbourne very easily. Um, you know, and so we took some we took some cues from, um, you know, from some of those um, great places down there. You know, the the, the wine room and stuff. Um, but you know, of being able to being able to buy a bottle and you know and have a um, and have a, a small corkage on it to drink in the bar, and you know, obviously now that's that's pretty uh, pretty commonplace. But you know, I, I think it's um, I mean, it's it's sensible, but it's also 
just interesting for the for the customer. They've, they've just got they've just got more options. You, know? you ended up taking one two one BC to Hong Kong as well. How did that come about? Um, that's that's a product of a thing called hubris. Um, and, <laughs> and there were there were there was just a, a couple of instances close together where where um, some some bankers from you know who were holidaying in Sydney from, from Hong Kong came to came to one two one and pissed in my pocket enough that you know and said ah oh, it's going to be great in Hong Kong you should check it out and um, and so on the, on the way back from uh, from from Italy one year. We um, stopped in Hong Kong, checked it out. And obviously, it's very, you know, it's 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 intoxicating. It's it's really beguiling. You know, any any new big city is is amazing, right? You know, and so you know, and and, and Hong Kong especially because it's you know it's got the, the, the multi the multicultural tiers, I guess. You know, it's from you know both the both the West and, and the East. And so um, so it was we were instantly seduced and and against against uh, any decent you know, business sense or rationale, we um, uh, sort of went for it, you know, and which is which is sort of also exciting and the sort of thing that you shouldn't do after, you know, after after twelve years in the business is to treat it like like your first business again. And, you, and um, but but it, but in a way, it was it was only that energy that actually made it happen because it, it was it was ridiculously hard to to get um, uh, to get finance to get capital to do it um you know and, and i lent on lent on places and people that, that i sh- that i shouldn't have you know and sort of family and friends um uh and and you know found found local investors too which was um j- just by just by uh, selling a a great story you know which was this which was this natural wine bar thing and and providing a real um, a real point of difference to you know to because Hong Kong is obviously it's, it's very showy and glitzy and and we were going in with a with a you know a very bare bones aesthetic and a very um, you know and a very um, bespoke product and you know like none none of it should have worked and and you know when we had this you know pretty shitty space um, that wasn't much less shitty once we once we um, once we filled it, filled it with chairs and tables, um, but and, and then training local staff and everything was was you know uh, extraordinary. Tra- tra- training customers and stuff it was uh, ridiculous too. But you know it's uh, yeah it, it's survived for five years. I mean it's still going. It's moved. It's been sold. It's moved. But it's um, it, it was it was an amazing process. It wasn't good for one's health. Um, wasn't good for wasn't good for a lot of things. Wasn't good for businesses in Sydney. It was like I say, there was it was a, a function of, um, of a lot of a lot of ego, and it turned out to be a distraction to, to stuff that was going on here. So, um, uh, had some good times though, <laughs> for, for whatever whatever that's worth. Not uh, not um, not anything that I'll remember. Great, great times, and some good people. You know, we, we brought over sort of most of the team from um, te- teams from Sydney. They weren't a team in Sydney, but they were. You know, they were sort of people that had been working in you know in in one two one or in or in Vini. You know, Dan Johnson came and opened it up. Um, yeah, Dan, Dan was my my go to man for just opening just about everything. I think. Um, uh, uh, so. 
yeah, so um, they, they, all those people had, you know, had uh, had a real sense of of what the, the vibe and the, um, you know, what it was we were trying to trying to sell, trying to you know promote, which was, you know, as much a, as much a attitude and the philosophy to to the actual you know to the actual food and wine. So, uh, so it was vital that they that they came. How did you end up in Morocco? Um, well, part uh, well, Cassie Cassie um, uh, Krinsky, who managed Berta for a couple of years, um, and she's been in Morocco on and off for fifteen years, and and so we we stayed in touch um, after she left Berta, and um, you know, and she long held this dream to open to open a, a restaurant here, and. and Keep saying all the uh, all the all the um, all the venues here are, are rubbish, which is still true. Um, the the service is appalling. The knowledge of everything is appalling. Um, and so she'd long held this um, dream of opening a restaurant here. And and so finally she got to him. So she rang me and said, "Do you know Do you know any chefs? Any young chefs that have come over?" And I said, "Oh well, I I, I do actually." Um, and I and and that that was me, and um, <laughs> to, to which she uh, said, oh, "Yeah, thanks, and we'll be talking again soon." And um, and, <laughs> uh, and and then a you know a month later or something, I messaged and saying, "How's it going?" Because you know she should have opened by by then or um, around then, and, and and she just said, "She can you come?" And I said, "Well, what? Just to just to have a look or to work?" And she said, "No, to to work." And so. Two weeks later, I was on the plane here. Um, wow! Uh, I, uh, what I knew, what I knew of Marrakesh was was what's on the first wiki page, um, and and that was that was about it. Um, it, it, it. It was a it was an escape and an opportunity at the same time. Um, uh, all the all the businesses had had recently um, recently closed in Sydney, so. Um, and I'd had a few months, few months working in the kitchen at DSE. Um, thanks, Nate. Thanks, Matt. Um, and uh, but I was, I was at a, a quite a quite a low, both sort of professionally and uh, personally. Um, there'd been lots of depression and stuff, you know. Uh, especially at the closing of Berta, that was uh, that was quite a uh, an incredibly incredibly low point. Um, uh, so so this was a, a chance of you know, a chance of sort of starting again and, and, and working and having a, um, yeah, just, just being, you know, not, not being, uh, held back by, uh, well, by the, uh, by the, the recent memories and also just by the, the, the pressures of, you know, the, um, the, the ATO, the, the, um, uh, the, the, uh, some unpaid supplies. Sorry guys. Um, uh, so yeah, all of that stuff, which just weighed weighed so heavily. Um, it wasn't an easy decision. Though. I mean, I, my family is obviously still in in, uh, in Sydney, um, and and then this um, and then th- this thing hit. So what was supposed to be a, a one to two year thing in Morocco, and with uh, hopefully some you know some great things that were supposed to have come out of it. You know, now it's 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 three years, three years in a couple of weeks, um, and you know, and and obviously, 
no one knows anything anymore, you know. Um, there, there's a there's a, a likelihood of a 61 in opening in Casablanca early next year, and so that that will be finally the the uh, the thing that crystallizes, I guess, the, the reason the reason for coming. You know. Um, uh, well, tell us a little bit about Marrakesh. I mean, what do you like about it, and have you? Uh, What's it like from a food sense? Um, you know, I, I think uh, it's a it's it's a it's a beautiful city if you can get out of the city a lot. Um, if you can get to the hills nearby, if you can, um, uh, if you can get into the get into the, the local markets and and enjoy enjoy that stuff. If you can if you can get away from the tourists, so that's easy right now. Um, then, then it's a then it's a, a great great place to be. Um, but it's small, you know. It's small. It's really it's really tight. Um, but I think that I think the Moroccan food scene is is actually great. The the um, it's 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 limiting in that it's it's you know culturally very specific, and you know the uh, you know the 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 lubia or the the white beans you know they they need to be cooked in tomato sauce and cumin you know there's there's, there's no there's, there's no vegetable goes with it no no meat will go with it you know they're they're, they're very very specific about about uh, what can go with what but but within that um you know there there's some there's some wonderful things um you know the the the, the meat cooking the the barbecue game is is very very strong here um, um on the flip side, the produce is produce is pretty shitty, pretty and pretty, um, pretty. Uh, the range is, is really minimal. Um, there's been a big organic movement in the last in the last uh, five or so years that's um, changing that slowly. Um, but and and then there's a lot of there's obviously a lot of Western restaurants, but um, I think like I mentioned earlier, they're they're, they're generally really bad. They're, there's a lot of Lot of consultant chefs come in and set up these things, and and then as soon as they go, you know the standards standards slip. So it's so the um, the alcohol scene is very limited as well, just by by sort of what the the nature of the supply of things here. So so the I'm not going to be selling selling Marrakesh as a great as a great food and wine destination. So um, uh, sorry, Cassie, <laughs> but but. Uh, um, so yeah, eat, uh, eat, eat, eat local, eat local, or eat at sixty-one. It's my, it's my, it's my, it's my um, You mentioned the stresses of um, closing your businesses and the move to to Morocco. What's what's the last couple of years been like for for you, and has it changed you? Uh, yeah, it's changed changed me a lot. The, um, I mean, I, I've I've worked harder in the, in the last last couple of years than. You know than I had in the preceding ten, I think. Um, uh, both to you know just to uh, show that I show that I could show that it was that it, you know, um, and it was a new start, and to you know to justify justify all of that. Um, really hard coming coming here um, with no you know no no support in terms of just in terms of friends and. and family and everything so the, the dislocation has been has been quite severe you know um and uh and then the you know the nature of the nature of the restaurant industry too is you know it's it's 
it's uh, it's socially socially cruel, you know, um, and physically and socially cruel. So, you know, you um, you get bent out of shape very easily at the at the end of a week or the end of a night, you know. So, um, yeah, none of which none of which really helps your capacity to you know to make good relationships or or whatever. I mean, and that, but then there's also just that function of time, you know. I think whenever you go somewhere new, you need I think inevitably you need you need two to three years before you start forging decent relationships before you make you make proper friends you know like you, you need that tenure of tenure of time to both find yourself understand the place understand, you know and and have have other people trust you i suppose as well with with their friendship so um so yeah uh no bones about it it's, it's been really hard um and i've made a made a few a few mistakes um um got bent out of shape a couple of times too often um but you know sort of now weirdly you know in in this in this sort of uh uh you know marginalized operating time um you know generally in a in a in a better in a better place and you know and there is this potential um potential business um but yeah, you know, I think everyone's looking over their shoulder, looking at how they can, how they can, I don't know, pivot both personally or their businesses, and you know, um, uh, finding what to do with their new free time. Um, you know, so it's, it's, I mean, some of those things are challenging universally, um, and and yeah, and then just Marrakesh, uh, yeah, has, has, been, has had its specific things, and also, also just. I think just dealing with the with um, with one's baggage, you know. What are you most looking forward to? Uh, oh, Casablanca. Um, seeing 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 my kids again, you know that's that's a big thing because um, uh, it's been it's been nearly two years, I think. Um, so you know, no no amount of uh, no amount of video chats and whatever sort of replaces that. You know, and, and and just the the whole the whole the whole time zone thing is actually is is difficult. You know, even 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 when you you're talking talking to your friends or whatever, I mean, you can't you don't share the same experiences. You know, you're in a you're in a you're in a different space. There's a you know that uh, that day versus night thing. You 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 can't really share the same moment. You know, and so it's um. Yeah, so that's so missing missing dinners, missing um, missing that conviviality of you know of, of socialising and stuff. That that's that's been hard. Um, um, yeah, and 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 just building up, you know, the, the same sort of thing here of, of friends. And stuff. Cassie has been amazing. Um, um, my 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 boss, um, boss and friends. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it. Suddenly, you're in a very small bubble. And it's uh, that, that that's challenging, you know, and especially when you especially when you're on your own, you know, when you when when the that small bubble's not around you, it's uh it, it's a it'd be a very lonely and, and dark place. So so learning how to know yourself and manage yourself has been has been really challenging. Well, Andrew, hopefully, uh, as the vaccine rolls out, we can all um, travel again and um, you can uh, head on home and see your family. We've loved having you on deep in the weeds today to hear your story and to get a picture of Morocco as well. Um, Please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. 
Huck, thank you so much. Thanks very much. It was um, great, great, great to, great to blabber at you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.